Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm so glad you joined me. Today's podcast title is Present Tense, Past Imperfect. And I like to start out each podcast with a quote or two, uh, what I call a pod quote. And here are my quotes for today. Don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. Why should you? I have no idea who said that, except I just said it. (laughs) But I'm sure it can be attributed to a lot of different people. And the next one as well. The next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Yes, I love that one too. I can kind of hear some smiles all the way through this podcast. Um, I don't know if you're smiling at your computer or your phone, but I can hear you (laughs) because I love that one too. I'm going to say it again. The next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. All right. So today's podcast title alludes to the fact that I'm going to talk about presently being tense and having an imperfect past, Um, which is true, I think, for most of us. I think we can collectively say that right now, many of us are just about as tense as we've been in a while, and maybe on and off throughout the day, maybe not consistently, but we've still got some tension going on. Although, isn't it always that way? I don't know about you, but I can get tense throughout my week on a normal basis anyhow. So, it's nothing new. It's just what we're being tense about, right? What we're stressed about now is a little bit different. Social distancing, viruses, pandemics, financial problems stemming from all of it, family issues, worried about people. All of that's there. All of that is present. And I'm right there with you and I understand it. But today, I'm going to set all that aside because you've probably like me, been fed a really steady overindulgent diet of virus, virus, virus news and hypotheses for weeks now. And I think sometimes we need a break from that. And today what is on my heart is something important that God gave to me. So I know I need to share it. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and what's on my heart is how we can carry sometimes our present, current and or a very present tense attitudes and assumptions into our future. And that can hold us back, especially when we have an imperfect past. And even more so, I think sometimes is not just the trap of holding things against ourselves, but oftentimes other people try to hold our past against us, making our present day rather tense. I don't know about you all, but I've had that happen, which is why I chose those quotes about not judging me by my past because I don't live there anymore. So if someone's trying to drag you back into your past or they're expecting you to be perfect or even if you're expecting yourself to be perfect, we, I, hopefully what I shared today will help a little bit. So what sparked all of this talk of perfection and imperfection that you're going to hear about is a conversation I heard in the movie theater about a month ago. So there was this young girl in her late teens, maybe early twenties, I'd say, and she and her boyfriend or date, I'm I'm assuming boyfriend because they seem fairly familiar with each other. Um, not familiar, like, you know, (laughs) not that kind of familiar. They weren't making out in the movie theater. That's not what I mean. (laughs) Anyway, she was sitting directly in front of me with her boyfriend and she was talking really loud. Uh, it was, it was hard not to pay attention, even though I was trying to crunch my popcorn really loudly because they were right there. And I'm an observant person. So I like to, something's going on. I try to pay attention. Maybe God has a message for me, uh, for me specifically, or something I need to chomp on and think about and share with somebody later. So she was telling this man 
that she was with, um, presumably her boyfriend, that she was sick and tired of her mom's attitude about how she should do this or she should do that. She said her mom acted like she was so squeaky clean as if she'd never done anything wrong in her entire life. And the guy said, wow, I've never gotten that from talking to your mom. And the girl said, yeah, because you don't have to live with her high and mighty attitude all the time. And his response was, well, do you think she has a reason she feels like she needs to tell you what to do? Does she have to tell you what to do to get you to listen to her? And the girl obviously was not happy about hearing that. She kind of huffed and puffed. And then she looked at him and said, um, you don't understand. And he said, or maybe she's been through stuff that you don't understand that you don't even know about. And she doesn't want you to make the same mistakes she's made. And the girl got even louder and said, my mom has never done a single thing wrong in her entire life. And she raised me like I should never do anything wrong either. But I'm not like her. I'm not perfect. And I was really shocked when, much to my surprise, very quietly, but loud enough for me to hear, the guy looked at her and said, have you ever thought that maybe she's not perfect? She's just forgiven and the girl got really quiet, turned forward, and ignored him. Now, I don't know the reality behind the girl's relationship with her mom or with this guy, but I was really impressed by this answer. I thought, hey, can you come date my daughter? <laughs> but I didn't approach that. I didn't think that was the time and place. So I thought a lot about that girl, though, and her mom when the movie was over. Overhearing and witnessing this conversation reminded me that sometimes what we think we know about someone is not accurate and or it's not all there is to know about them take this girl for instance she thinks her mom is perfect she thinks her mom acts perfect even though her date or boyfriend whatever he was didn't see it this is the way she saw her mom as perfect whether the mom works hard to portray herself as perfect or this girl maybe in her immaturity, just doesn't see her, her own mom's faults. I don't know. But this situation parallels a lot of others I have heard about and witnessed for myself. I cannot tell you the number of women I've met over the years who fear they won't be seen as perfect and who envy those they think are perfect. The whole notion that anyone is perfect or close to it isn't one of reality anyway. I hope you all know this, man or woman, none of us is perfect. And portraying ourselves to be perfect is a total lie. And yet, here are all these men and women. They primp and they style, they struggle and they work, they edit, they Photoshop themselves to appear perfect. I know a lot of us have heard over the years that the word fear stands for false evidence appearing real. So if you haven't heard that, I'm sharing it with you now. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Well, when we fake our way into making others believe we're perfect or near perfect, then we're doing so out of fear. Fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being loved or accepted, fear of being talked down to or insulted. I mean, fear that maybe someone might see who we really are and not like us or be disgusted by us. Whatever the fear is, acting as if we're perfect or pretending that we live perfect lives doesn't squelch that fear. It only amplifies it. It makes the fear worse. After all, if we're making things in our lives look perfect and we're hiding who we really are, when are we going to get caught? 
When will someone see through the web of lies we created with our false evidence and put it out there? I mean, we've put that out there. So when are they going to see through it? Lies always make a situation worse. If not in the beginning, always in the end. And that falseness, that fakeness evidenced by making your life appear greater, better, more seamless and perfect just breeds more fear, fear of getting caught, fear of someone else seeing behind that curtain and catching a glimpse at who you really are, fear of someone seeing your unphotoshopped, popped up, filtered real pictures of who you are and realizing that you're just like everyone else. You're maybe special in certain ways because God made you, but you're also ordinary. You're also average. You're not at all perfect, right? So here's the thing. Pretending to be what we aren't isn't genuine and it is not Christ-like, but we all do it at times, right? I saw an ad uh, on social media the other day for false eyelashes, okay? Only $50 an eye. So, wow, (laughs) I about fell off my chair when I read that. What? $50 an eye for those eyelashes. Yes, they looked great on the model who was showing them off. Uh, They were definitely professional pictures. But heck, you could probably stand two feet from someone, bat your eyelashes, and fan them in a heat wave at the same time. That's how long these suckers were. (laughs) But they aren't for me. First and foremost, I don't want magnetic eyelashes on my face. That's right, they were magnetic. Guaranteed to stay in place even if you cry. Well, knowing my luck, I'd forget about them, wear them in an MRI machine, and have my eyelids sucked off my face. (laughs) So, and if you know me, you know that's probably true. And on top of that, to me... That is a whole lot of money to add something fake to my body merely so I appear to be something I'm not. Nope, I I don't have long, luxurious black eyelashes to bat at my husband or at anyone else. Um, I have short, dark, stubby little lashes above my small, squinty, dark brown eyes that look like they're completely shut when I smile and I laugh. But my husband likes them that way, so I'm just fine with that. So for me, the fakeness in fake eyelashes is just too bold and brazen. I mean, it says so in the name, fake eyelashes. But we all have lines we draw, right? Things that aren't of eternal significance, like eyelashes, that won't hurt anyone else if we're using them, that we think are okay for us or aren't okay for us, right? I can wear a little makeup here and there, though too much of it is not really my thing either. Some people want every lash dark, each brow tweezed and their lips outlined, and some refuse to wear makeup at all. There's two different ends of the spectrum, and then I'm kind of in the middle. But for me, false eyelashes are above and beyond. For others, they aren't a big deal, and $50 an eye might be a steal for eyelashes. Of this, I do not know, because this is not my world. (laughs) But to someone else, this eyelash enhancement feels just right. Lots of makeup, hair done just so every single day, and fake eyelashes are natural to their everyday lives, whether I find them natural or not. So we each have to figure out what is just right for us, and it's going to be different for every person. Every person is different, but what's not right for anyone no matter who you are, is to be something you're not and to lie about it, to act perfect or be perceived as being perfect because none of us are. Now, this particular person who is promoting these eyelashes put it out there for the whole world to know, hey, I wear fake eyelashes. She looked great, but she wasn't lying about it. I respect that. And so 
Yet there are so many men and women who are more worried about looking perfect than they are about striving to be perfected in the will and grace of God. Maybe we all go through seasons and stages when we're this way. We get obsessed with the outer rather than the inner. I'm sure I know that I have. We care more about how things look on the outside than how they truly are on the inside. Uh, And there are a lot of people in this world today doing just that. And some aren't going through a season. Okay, I like to say, okay, I've been through some seasons there and I know it. But some people aren't going through a season. They're perpetually in it. That's just who they are. And they're embracing this fake, false, imperfect, perfect, perfectly imperfect. They're not perfectly imperfect. They're trying to be perfect, perfect lifestyle and care more about how they look and what image they portray and about seeking attention through it. They want to appear perfect, even if it's false. False evidence appearing real. People who walk in the shadow of fear, trying to fake their way into a life of peace, comfort, and popularity by portraying some fake perfect image. But if they continue to do this, they will never ever have peace and live without that fear because they're perpetuating it. They're making it grow. You cannot lie your way into heaven, people. You can't fake a relationship with Jesus because guess what? He knows the difference. And you can't Photoshop your butt to make it look smaller without someone finding out that it's not perfect one day, unless you choose to never leave the house again, (laughs) right? But what about hair extensions, breast enlargements, taking steroids to increase your muscle size, diet pills to accelerate weight loss? Again, we all have lines we might draw and things we might say no to, but what is the purpose of all these things in the first place? Is it to enhance quality of life? Maybe. Could be for some. Is it to better the world around us? Perhaps, because maybe if I wore makeup more often and nicer clothing, I could make the world around me look a little bit better than I do right now. (laughs) But anyway, are those fake things, enhancements, extensions, enlargements, reductions, that supposedly get us a step closer to being perfect, are they really going to be used to reach the lost? To help anyone heal? Are Photoshop pics of a happy family with matching clothing and smiling faces on their, uh, on their, across their face, standing in front of a barn in the country when they actually live in a rent controlled condo in a downtown area going to make people think that they have a perfect life? Maybe, but will they help anyone? Will they reach someone who needs to know that they aren't alone and that someone else out there is struggling too? Will any of this fake perfection feed the hungry, clothe anybody who needs clothing or will all these things done to project to the world to friends to family to strangers to to the world of social media that we are close to perfection just merely add to the world of deception that we live in why should we give in and conform to the world we're living in conform to a culture where people are desperately working to portray to their friends and strangers and family that they are a bit better than their neighbor is or that they are a bit closer to being perfect than other people are Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but allow God to transform our mind, our thinking, how we look at things, how we perceive things, how we project things. So now let's think about the other end of the spectrum in this supposed perfect projection. Going back to the conversation 
in the movie theater. This young girl shouted out that her mother was perfect. And obviously, as we have established, her mom is not perfect. None of us are. But in her frustration and life experience, this girl seemed to have garnered a deep belief that her mother was nearly perfect. Although her boyfriend didn't think so, and her boyfriend didn't seem to think her mom thought she was perfect either. Which made me wonder, if it wasn't so much an issue of the mother acting like she was perfect and being something she wasn't, or maybe her mom wasn't being fake... It was more of an issue that the girl didn't think she herself was good enough. That she just didn't measure up to her mom or anyone else. That she had self-esteem issues. And it was heartbreaking the more I thought about it. I thought her boyfriend dealt with it very well in that moment. And he was calm about the whole thing. But what about the mom? Okay, let's think about her for a minute. We don't know her. Didn't see her. Didn't hear her talk. Didn't hear any inflection in her voice. Have no idea who she is. But... Her daughter thinks she's perfect. How many times has this daughter thrown up those words in her face? Well, you're just so perfect and I'm not. Does it sound familiar to anyone? Does this go on in your life or, or your child throws up something in your face acting like, well, you're perfect and I'm not? Or maybe you project to your child that you're perfect and you've had that thrown up in your face? Does anybody have any teenagers, <laughs> young adults? Um, has anyone here been a teen <laughs> where you felt this pressure like someone expected you to be perfect? Has this become something that the daughter could use as an excuse every time she didn't do what she was supposed to do? You know where I'm going, right? Or did she use it as an excuse so she didn't have to try harder? Or maybe even as an insult thrown at her mom? How many of this mom's family and friends also thought she was perfect or threw up at her um Oh, well, you're just so perfect, aren't you? And threw it into her face. How many of them thought for sure that this woman was perfect or acted perfect or acted like she was better than them when all the while maybe this mom was just doing what she thought was right? Working really hard to get everything right, to please God, to please other people, to not hurt others or disappoint them. And yet, every which way she turned, people threw it back at her like she should be ashamed for it. Ever thought that she didn't think that she was perfect? That she was trying really hard to be perfected? This is a different end of the spectrum, right? Rather than just seeing the daughter with low self-esteem as someone to pity or to have compassion for, what about the mom? Maybe she's that woman at work or that lady in church that everyone talks about as being just so all the time, perfect looking, perfect acting and they keep their distance from her because they think surely she must be full of herself surely she's got it all and we can't connect with her because after all we wouldn't have anything in common with her right right look at her life she doesn't need much and she probably has so many friends she wouldn't need another one so why do we even try she gives of her time and talents and, and look she's smug about it she shows up to everything she's always smiling or compassionate and kind she homeschools her kids she doesn't have any money problems she's always dressed just so and her yard is immaculate and on and on and on and on have you ever heard any of this kind of judgment going on uh-huh yeah I know you have I I have and even from my own mouth in the past I have surely said some of these same things in the past I'm telling you now, I have, I'm confessing it about some people. And I think now, what assumptions did I make that they were living a perfect life, even when the same thing had been done to me. And I've had to confess that. 
And I've heard them said by many other people too. When I was younger, some of my siblings actually teased me and called me Little Miss Perfect. I wouldn't call it bullying, but it was definitely name calling. And for a long time, it bothered me. It hurt my feelings because I felt it was meant to be an insult. And it was. And over time, getting to know my own feelings and getting to know God better, I just started to take it in stride. And I actually started turning it into a compliment in my heart and mind. Was I perfect? Heck no. I'm still not. I never will be. Would someone who's perfect praise God and laugh at the car in front of me going down the road when it got a flat tire and had to pull over <laughs> all because he was zigzagging all over the road, laughing at me, putting on the brakes, flipping me off and thinking he was funny. No, they wouldn't, but I did. I laughed. He, he got a flat tire and I just felt like it was justice. <laughs> a perfect person would show grace and humbleness and maybe even stop to help them, but I didn't. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I did that. I laughed and laughed and thanked God because I found it to be swift justice. I'm just telling you. Even though it was just the guy being a fool and he probably ran over a nail in the road, I still felt like it was swift justice. Would a perfect person look at the last two pieces of cake in the cake pan, both of them the same size, and take the one with the most frosting and then take another swipe of frosting off of the other one and give the lesser one with less frosting to her husband? No, she would not. <laughs> But I did that just the other day. So there you go. I know they're minor infractions, but those are just the tip of the iceberg because I am not perfect either. I know it's a sad, sad place for me to be, to admit that, you know, I stole my husband's frosting, but that's just the way that it is. I have a whole list of sad, frustrated, heartbreaking, ashamed of very, very human sins though. I have actions and traits that just show how imperfect I am. But just like the boyfriend said in the movie theater, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. And I try to be more generous with the frosting and laugh less at road rage, hog, hog roading idiots, whatever you want to call them. But I'm still forgiven because I want to please God, not man. I do work to leave my heart, mind and spirit open to being perfected in order to please God. I want to be molded and shaped by God. So every day I pray that he will change me, that he'll grow me into the person he wants me to be and not what the world says I should be and not what my own messed up desires and human selfishness wants me to be. But when I was younger, my seemingly perfect attitude and actions actually came from a place of fear. I talked about that earlier, fear. They were generated by the fear of, well, of disappointing others, uh, of hurting someone else's feelings, which I'm still extremely sensitive over. Um, if I was totally truthful, I was afraid that I would hurt other people. And so I thought putting on, uh, an act was better. I had a fear of not being good enough, of being rejected, of being hurt. So the more I was teased, the harder I worked to be better, to be smarter, funnier, kinder, more willing to do anything others asked of me, because I thought if I did them, then my fears would go away, but they didn't. Over time, I realized that my fears caused me to have obsessive compulsive disorder so bad that there were times that I couldn't even function well into my twenties and early thirties. No one knew this when I was younger because I hid the OCD for a long, long time. And I hid these fears. I was afraid to even talk about the fears. And even after it came to light though, there was still little compassion or mercy for my so-called perfectionist attitude because no one seemed to really understand. And at that point they didn't care. 
that's why I wrote some books about it. So Many Rituals, So Little Time is one of them and Breaking Free from OCD. Writing those books helped me to see just how imperfect I am and how God's grace and strength aren't just essential to eternal life, but to daily living. One time I was at a conference and I had just spoken about being perfected in the Lord and allowing ourselves to take off the mask that we wear to let others see who we really are beneath that mask. And a woman came up to me afterwards and she asked me if she could talk to me for a few minutes. Of course, I said, sure. She wanted me to go with her and talk to her in the women's restroom. And I said, um, okay. I found it to be a bit strange, especially since I'd just spoken earlier in the day about getting stuck in odd places. And one of the places I tend to get stuck in is in the bathroom, <laughs> but she wanted me to go in the bathroom. True. If you know me or you listen to this podcast podcast much, you already know I end up in a lot of awkward situations and being stuck in public restrooms is one of those things. But I followed her anyhow and I thought, hey, I've got a phone if I need to dial 911. But it was a one pot potty with a chair and a nice sitting area in there. So we went in, she locked the door and we sat down. And with every single word, this woman, um, let's call her Beth, said to me, uh, my heart broke. I didn't think about getting stuck on the toilet or locked in a restroom stall or about the fire department having to rescue me. Frankly, I thought about her because of her story and the things that she was telling me. And I prayed all the while for the Lord to reveal to me how in the world I was going to help her and if I could help her. Of course, that started with prayer, but Beth told me she wanted to talk in the bathroom because she didn't want anyone else around who might overhear our conversation. She didn't want anyone to see the worry and concern on her face, the struggle in her heart, and she definitely didn't want them to see her cry, which is what she was doing. She let me know that she was stuck in this perpetual cycle of fear and fakeness. Um, and that fakeness came from the fear. She couldn't take off this mask that she had. And let me tell you what, Beth looked the part too. She looked like the kind of woman that others would judge, the kind I talked about earlier. Or maybe they admired her and they wanted to strive to be more like her, but yet they judged her. Her hair was gorgeous. I mean, it was gorgeous. Just so. Her makeup looked like it was done by a makeup artist. Her clothes were expensive and she was well coordinated. Her heels were designer heels and they were very pretty. But what came out of her heart, even though all of that stuff was made up and what might be what we would consider fake, she actually looked photoshopped, but she was sitting right in front of me. Um, but what came out of her heart was not faked. It couldn't be photoshopped. It couldn't be, uh, made up and made over. She spoke to me in a very real way. She told me about how she worked so hard to keep a certain image because she's afraid not to. She said she felt pressure to be perfect in public, in church, and, and even at home for her husband. I wonder if the mom from the movie theater felt just like Beth. Maybe she was also dying inside because she was living for the world on the outside. Beth told me that she cried almost every night in the bathroom when her family went to bed. She was exhausted from years of keeping everything in check and trying to make everything just so in her life. She said that she lived in a double wide trailer and she raised her own chickens and had a garden, but she never told anyone at church. They'd been going to that church for about two years and no one from church had ever been to their house. She and her husband designed it that way. 
because her husband was ashamed that they lived in a trailer instead of a house. And the designer clothes she got for herself and her, her family were from a consignment shop. Now, side note here, that's the way I live. Nick's the chickens, though. I don't have any little clickety clucks running around my yard, although I don't think I would mind if I did. But to her husband, these things that we do, some of us do on a natural basis, shop at Goodwill or shop at consignment shops and flea markets, things like that. These frugal ways of living and caring for their family were things to be ashamed of. So she lived in fear. She was afraid not to please her husband. She was afraid to show who they really were. Afraid not to keep up that picture of perfection because after all, the closer to perfect you are, the closer to God you might be, right? No, that's not true. But that's what she believed and that's what her husband believed. My heart ached for Beth as we sat and prayed and I thought, Karen, ah, maybe, just maybe the next time someone you know perhaps yourself even, decides to judge someone else and call them perfect, maybe you'll think about Beth. The more people thought she was perfect, the more she felt compelled to keep up the act because it was working, right? It was as if she was afraid to disappoint them and her family. But she wasn't thinking about God in it until that day uh, when I spoke about it and when I spoke about taking that mask off and how God can see who you are even if you're wearing a mask. She was truly, genuinely scared. She was feeling alone and lonely and only willing to cry in her bathroom at night and in the bathroom that day with me because she was afraid she would disappoint someone else for fear she, she wouldn't do everything she's supposed to do and be what she was supposed to be. A lot of people who work hard to be perfect are trying to control everything in their lives because of their fear. And then another third shoot-off of that spectrum are those people who look as if their lives are perfect, but they actually aren't trying to be perfect. They're not trying to proclaim to be perfect and they're not being fake, nor are they worried about looking perfect like Beth was. They aren't Photoshopping anything or faking it. They're simply in a place in their lives that they don't care what other people think. They care what God thinks and they're just going about life, working hard to live a life God would be proud of because that's what matters to them. And in that process, they're being perfected, shaped, guided, and grown. They're open to guidance, conviction, and correction by our Heavenly Father and accepting of that, what I can only call the unmatched grace and love that he's poured out for us on the cross. So with all that in their lives, they look shiny and bright with light coming from them and they have joy and God shows up in their actions and reactions and in their blessings and in favor on their life most of the time. They aren't perfect and they don't live perfect lives and everything isn't always hunky-dory, but it's how they handle what's going on. It's how they live out what's going on. It's how they accept and embrace the journey that they're on, no matter what happens, that people see and they think, oh, well, they must be perfect. Nope. They're just allowing themselves to be perfected, to be molded and shaped. Maybe that's where the movie Mom was instead. Maybe she was actually in that place, mature enough in the Lord to see that and embrace that kind of life. And, and, in her maturity, the daughter didn't understand it, so she threw it back in her mom's face. So there are a few possibilities as to how the movie mom could have come across this place where her daughter thinks she's perfect. I believe I've come to the point in my life, and I hope I have, 
where I'm, that's third shoot off spectrum here where, uh, I care more about what God thinks of me and not what others think of me, others think of me and that I'm just working hard to be perfected and allow God to molding and shaping me. When I was younger, I lived in fear. And then what God lifted that fear off and my focus became so much on him that most of my life since then, I haven't had the time or the desire to care what others think of me as long as I'm not a stumbling block to them. Like me or not, agree with me or not, this is who I am and I am working hard to be in the Lord. Call me a little Miss Perfect, point fingers at me, rejoice in my sorrows if you feel the need, but I'm do what I'm doing is working to be who God calls me to be and allow him to perfect me for him to rub off my sharp edges and make me a, a kinder, softer, more joyful Christ-like person along the way. You know, years ago, just like Beth, I was so completely wrapped up in fear and perfection that I wasn't genuine at times. I, I wasn't real. I wanted my husband, my friends and family to always think the best of me, even if what they saw wasn't totally real because I was afraid I would be rejected. And I have been rejected a lot since then. Um, and it hurts, but more than that, then and today, I want God to be happy with me. And thankfully over time, the desire to please God became greater than my desire to please a man or woman. But when I was in it, in that really fearful place, in that obsessive compulsive frame of mind, I was oblivious to how other people's attitudes could actually deeply hurt me because I had kind of cocooned myself in with this fakeness. And when my first marriage crumbled after 11 years due to infidelity and other reasons, some people actually rejoiced over it. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. You heard me right. Some people actually rejoiced over me getting a divorce. I was told by one person, well, I guess little Miss Perfect is finally just like the rest of us. Yeah, true story. A few women I know were actually happy to see that something in my life wasn't quote unquote perfect, that my heart could be broken and that I was capable, capable of being deceived. Little did they know, or they didn't want to see that much like Beth, my life was far from perfect and I was far from perfect. I already knew this. It wasn't something they needed to rejoice over or rub in my face, but they did. And that reminds me of a quote I read just a few years ago. It said, judging a person does not define who they are. It defines who you are. And so these women showed me who they really were. And boy, does that apply to them. These people who rejoiced in my pain and imperfection. Because I knew my life wasn't perfect. Neither was my marriage, obviously. I cried in the bathroom. I covered my head with a sheet at night and prayed and prayed till my heart ached. Because I just felt as if I couldn't do anything more. I, I would just pray, God, show me what more I can do. Show me how to be a better person, a, a more perfect person, a more Christ-like person. Well, he did. He didn't show me how to be perfect because he knows I can't be. He, but he showed me how just to be myself and be who he wanted me to be and not worry what others thought of me so much, whether they loved me or hated me or whether they approved of me or picked me apart and to never, ever feel like I had to hide my head and cry alone in the bathroom or be ashamed because I wasn't perfect. So if you're one of those women or men who feels like you can't cry in front of anybody else and you have to cry alone with the sheet pulled over your head or cry alone in the bathroom because you don't think that it's okay for anybody to see your pain. I'm praying for you today because it's a horrible feeling and it's a 
bad place to be because it perpetuates a whole lot of other things like lying and fakeness and lashing out at other people. When I was ready and God strengthened me so I could handle it, I started to live the way he wanted me to. Putting God first and walking in truth, not in fear. And when I say so I could handle it, it's because he knew I didn't have the strength to do it at that time. But he strengthened me. It was the strength of the Lord that got me through that. These women didn't reach out to me, those ones that were judging me. They didn't reach out to help me. They didn't show me compassion. They wanted to be left to themselves feeling justified in their judgment instead of right in their actions. And so that's what happened. But to this day, like many of you, other people still throw my past at me. They throw it up at me and say, oh, look what you did or look at the mistakes you made or look what happened to you. Oh, I have definitely grown and moved past the idea of worrying how I look to those people, though. And I focus on pleasing God, not people. Living in the Lord, not in the world. But some people will always look at you for who you used to be or mistakes that you've made in the past or who they assumed you were not for who you truly are. If you don't already know it, I'm here to share it with you. Some people would prefer you fail so when they don't succeed, they can feel better about themselves too. Got it? Some people would prefer that you fail so when they don't succeed, they can feel better about themselves. When someone labels you as perfect or goody-two-shoes and makes fun of you for working hard to be perfected, to be Christ-like, to be loving and kind and caring, compassion, forgiving, all of these things, to have fruit of the Spirit, to walk the straight and narrow, if you will, to be as Christ-like as you can be, consider it all joy. They make fun of you. But just in case, I encourage you to take time to pray and, and decide to decipher, to dig deep and see if you're actually being open in your spirit to being perfected, to being convicted and corrected and molded and shaped and changed by God. Or are you just portraying a fake perfection out of a desire for human and worldly approval because you want your church to approve of you or a man to approve of you or a friend to approve of you or to think you're something better than what you feel you are inside? James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Isn't that our goal? That we would be able to persevere so that we can be mature and complete and not lack in anything? I think that it takes until we see the Lord to get to that point, but we're supposed to be working it on every day. So when someone else labels you and tries to um, convict you and tell you you should be this way or this person or shame on you for being this way or this way, and you, you, you're hedging on that place of feeling like you need to be faked or show like you're perfect when you're not perfect, let them pick on you. Let them say whatever they're going to say. Consider it all joy. Consider it pure joy whenever you face those trials. I wrote something a while back I want to share with you as I wrap up this podcast. It's just a a brief paragraph about forgiveness and the past, that past tense. I think it might apply to this topic today. My past sins are not something I hide. It's just that they are my past. They've been turned away from, repented of, and I have been forgiven. They are in the past and I am the present. I am in the present. I am forgiven. 
free from those chains that once bound me. Those who try to reach back to pick up my old chains and shackle them to me again need to beware. They might just find themselves ensnared in those very chains, longing for freedom like I once did. And the only thing that can break the power of those chains and give you the strength to lay them down and walk forward into the future like I did is the love and saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you're humble enough to choose to accept it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you wouldn't mind, uh, share this podcast with someone. You can like and follow me also on Instagram. Just look for One Woman Inspired. That's the number one, followed by Woman Inspired. Or look for Karen McCracken. And hopefully you'll find me out there. You can also go to womaninspired.com. You can find a link to my social media there, as well as uh, additional links to this podcast and information about Um, having me come out to speak at your event or retreat. So thank you again and have a blessed day.